Welcome to the Guide to Movies podcast with Joe and Sean. I am Joe, he is Sean, and we are joined for episode 74 by Mark of the Chumpcast. Mark, what's going on? What is up, guys? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thanks for hopping in. Always happy to chat with you and uh, break down some of the stuff going on in the movie world. Um, oh, yeah. You know, lots, lots of fun stuff. This is like a week of weird news. Like nothing's like major hard hitting, but mm-hmm. like there's some interesting things that I, I think we'll have some good comments about. Um, yeah. But I have a comment for you to start with, Mark. Sure. What's going <laughs> here's, on? Here's the comment. This draft thing you're doing. Yeah. That guy, that guy Brick you have on the Chumpcast. Yeah. It's... Uh, what's going on with him? Fiona is not a Disney princess. Fiona is not a Disney princess. You're correct there. Um, I actually didn't realize that, but let me back up for a second and give you guys some, give you some background as to what's going on. So we have our podcast, the chump cast. We decided to do the segment weekly now in our episodes where we come up with a draft and a draft topic kind of based on what's going on that week. Um, so we saw Encanto two weeks back and we never got to get to this draft, which is Disney princesses. So we're doing it this week and it's an unofficial Disney princess draft where you can kind of stray outside the lines. You can pick Elsa. I mean, she's technically not a Disney princess per se because she has her own franchise, but she's under that Disney umbrella. So we could pick some of those characters, but Brick went ahead and decided to pick Fiona, which at the time during our episode, I thought DreamWorks was under Fox. So I was like, okay, technically it could be Disney. I had no idea DreamWorks was actually universal. So, yes, it, it made no sense why he picked Fiona. Um, but, yeah, we do these drafts weekly, and they, they've actually turned out to be pretty fun. We have a good time doing them. They seem pretty cool. They seem pretty cool. I would choose uh, Sandra Bullock's character from Demolition Man if we're going outside the box for unofficial. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah if you do Disney princes, we could do Boss Baby, you know, just kind of, like, try it out. Yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway, I'm launching a social media offensive against Brick because that that's stupid. So Do vote it. for Smithers or Mark. Do it. <laughs> Actually, vote for me because it, at this point, it looks like I'm going to be the runner up if Brick ends up winning. And Brick and Smithers right now are tied. And the way what we're doing for the two losers is it's the first of five draft wins. So Brick and Smithers both have four. I have three. And the losers, the first one to five, the other two are the losers. The losers have to watch a shitty movie. And I saw on the news we're talking about M. Night Shyamalan's new movie, whatever it is, with uh, Batista. <laughs> but the losers have to watch Old, which I heard was fucking her- – oh, sorry if I shouldn't swear on this no, podcast. You, no, before, which I heard was horrendous. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's what's on the line right now if Brick ends up winning. Because he, he'll, he'll take the cake. Smithers and I will have to end up watching Old. Does Brick just have like a following of people that will vote for him? Yes, I that that is the theory. I I have a feeling Brick goes into his group chats and just annoys everyone in there and gets them to vote. Just say in any Discord or group chat, we've caught Brick going into a separate Discord channel and asking people to vote for him, and we've called him out for it. But yes, Brick definitely like a does brick house. That. Yes, <laughs> exactly, exactly, <laughs> Sean. Wow. Sean, what's going on with you, buddy? Married life settling in, and married life is really settling in. Uh, I've become a robe guy. Um, I'm wearing yeah. robes. <laughs> I'm so glad I got you on the drink with that one. Um, it's it's super cold, and so I usually wear a sweatshirt. And like I looked over, and I was like, "Hey, there's that towel coat. Let's just throw that bad boy on." 
and I'm just I'm nice and cozy now. And then it seems like when I'm like w- like walking around the house in the robe, it does feel like I'm writing the next great American novel while I'm slowly losing my mind. And so like I sort of embody that character, and that's that's great for uh, married life or the start of it as well. So, um, but in general, no. It's good. It's good. Doing well. Starting to catch up with the movies from, uh, you know, that I missed from my uh, wedding week. Wait, Sean, do you go? Do you go full naked under the robe? Nothing under it. It's tricky. I the the like I I sometimes forget to close, and uh, so you know I I don't really do it unless I'm you know shooting a shampoo commercial or yeah. other things um gotcha. so, decorating the tree in your robe decorating the tree in my robe i think i actually did that there's a glass of wine decorating the tree in my robe Just, it's official now you guys have the the phillips's tree skirt so that that was the actual last thing we needed it was marriage license to city hall and phillips's tree skirt yeah <laughs> Very nice. Love the priorities. <laughs> All right, let's dive into some of the stuff this week. Uh, we usually start off with a trailer. After having like 84,000 trailers the week prior to choose from, this week there wasn't really much. We've covered the Matrix a lot on here, and I do think that the new Matrix Resurrections trailer is uh, gives away a lot more of the movie, or at least shows you what they're doing, which is, you know, I guess good. I'm very concerned that I'm not going to understand that movie, and that I'm going to seem like an idiot. Because it looks really cool, but I have no fucking idea what's going on. Just in the words of Marky Mark and uh, the Funky Bunch, just feel it, feel it. Don't try to understand this thing. Or in the words of that character and Tenet, don't try to understand it. <laughs> just feel it. Like, And then you will enjoy this movie more. Pretend you know what's going on. I do that so much. Everyone else was like freaked out by Lost. And I was like, Island's magic. We're good. Like, <laughs> just, just have some fun with this, man. It's the Matrix. Of course we're not going to get it. It's not possible to it. get it. <laughs> I'm with you. I just like I think I'm gonna go try to go back and watch the first three before I see it next week. But I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know if I have that brain brand, brand width. I almost said. So apparently I don't. I don't have that bandwidth. <laughs> isn't there another big movie coming out that week too? I think it's The Kingsman, isn't it? King, yeah, The Kingsman comes out. Are you guys gonna uh, see both? I, I kind of feel bad for Kingsman now. I'll eventually see Kingsman, but I think uh, there's a the fourth Matrix movie is kind. Although actually, Kingsman has this crazy following that like yes, people are just dying to see that movie as well. Got Rasputin in it. It does I, have Rasputin in it, which I is kind of dope. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Like, there's people that aren't fans of the franchise. I really like the first one. Um, I don't even think I saw the latest one. Would there have been three of them now? Is this the fourth uh, one? This is actually the third one. The second sure. one was a nightmare. Okay. Yeah, I don't think I saw the second one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the first one had that epic church mm-hmm. murder scene, <laughs> Just which perfect. I couldn't get over. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, these these two are pretty big blockbusters, I would say. Because yes, to your point, Sean, there's a lot of people that are all about the Kingsman franchise. Well, just wondering, did the Matrix get pushed i'm sure it did but did the matrix really get pushed back at all because kingsman did it got pushed back like you know months and then years because of pandemic mm-hmm. so that sort yeah. of like enticed audiences i think the matrix is just kind of like yeah we're opening in december it's like sure dude you don't even have a trailer and then all of a sudden they gave us everything well they actually the matrix got pushed back to april or something of next year originally and then they bumped oh. it back up so when, i think warner brothers was trying to capitalize on its day and date thing putting it on hbo max as well because mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> they wouldn't be able to do it in april if they keep that promise yeah yeah right if they, <laughs> we'll see if what happens that. january 1st <laughs> um the king's man comes out the same day wednesday december 22nd i saw it the other night so that one's off my radar 
you saw that one? Are you yeah. on embargo? Until next week. Wait, okay. you saw? Oh, you saw Kingsman? I saw Kingsman, which I I honestly did not think that movie existed up until the minute it started. <laughs> I was like, they they're fucking with us. This movie, I the last time I went to the theater before everything shut down last year, I had this, mm. vi- this vivid memory of seeing a poster of the Kingsman, and it was like February 2020. I'm like, okay, and here we are. In anyway. February of 2020. Uh, so here's a movie that we're going to watch trailer for that doesn't have a release date in the U.S., but uh, this has uh, Mr. Rugged Zac Efron in it, so people will be losing their minds. Uh, it's getting released in Australia in January, and it is a survival thriller movie. Hmm. Enjoy, and we'll chat after. If technology works. And it did. Boop. There we go. I'm supposed to meet a man here to take me to the compound. Came from the west, right? It was getting pretty bad out that way now. Folks turning on each other. Mad Zach. Oh. Is that Gleason? Yeah. Once in a lifetime opportunity. What is it? Come here! Look at this! That's gold. We just found a pile of gold! Yeah! <laughs> One of us will have to get the excavator to get it out. I think I'll stay with the gold. Good idea. <laughs> yeah. Watch your water. Stay out of the sun. Ain't no joke out here. How much longer? Immediately would be out with snakes. I would die right away. <laughs> I'm going home. So you're here on your own? You need to leave. Out here, things start to get real strange. strange. Go with me. Where are you? Snyder writing. I think they're hiding something. You gotta get rid of her. Where are you? I'm I did my part. I found it. It's mine. <laughs> Hey, Dude. I I love this podcast, but this winter is gonna suck when we have trailers. So I'm just realizing now, it's gonna be like that. That one. So that's Anthony Hayes in there, and he's directing it as well. That's the actor that was in with Zac Efron. Um, oh, okay. So you know that's, that's a Gleason lookalike, man. That's he, um, he is a Gleason lookalike. Yeah. Wow. I, it starts off looking kind of like, okay, cool, whatever, another survival movie. And then by the end of it, I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Is Why Zach Efron like ever going to get a uh, an Oscar nom, do you think? you think he's going to start doing a lot of these like art house type smaller budget films and try to get something where he shows his true potential through his performances? <laughs> He'll always have that like, it's you have to somehow surpass that extremely good looking thing. Um, and I think he's doing that here. You know, I mean, we see DiCaprio did it. Gosling did it. Um, I, well, Gosling stays good looking in all the movies when he gets nominated. But, you know, in, in general, you, uh, you know, you have to sort of like put yourself through a little bit of the ringer um, in, uh, in those situations. It looks like it's being done in this. However, this looks like it's going to be such a quiet release that nobody's going to know that this really existed. But 
it could this could be like you know the Pattinson sort of like way where it's like all right, Pattinson did like something like the Rover, and I'm mm. not comparing this to the Rover, but both of them are like Australian apocalypse films, um, which this just seems like an apocalypse film. Um, and I think that like you know Pattinson, who's not you know anywhere on the Academy's list yet, but I mean in a year or two that dude's gonna be there. And go for I think it. he probably won an Emmy first for that down to earth with Zac Efron because that's actually a pretty solid show, and I think people really enjoy that. So I'm surprised. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if surprised if Netflix doesn't push that. Um, but this was pushed, or this was pushed. This was picked up by the same company that released Black Friday, uh, Eat Wheaties, uh, and Willy's Wonderland. So that's oh, actually yes. you know what? Like yes. okay, okay, <laughs> they kind of see these crazy films, and so this is going to be a crazy film. They love. Yeah. I was, I was just going to say, it turns out at the end, it's Zac Efron just thinking he's seeing shit throughout the whole time. Like him even being in that car in the beginning of the trailer didn't happen. He's just hallucinating, seeing mirages. But it's really not Zac Efron at the end. It's actually Nick Cage they bring in. That'd be <laughs> unreal. It's Nick Cage thinking he's like a 30-year-old fucking man. And he doesn't say a word. He has no dialogue. <laughs> yes. Yes. Just screams. Just screams the whole time. It actually does look like there's something else going on in that movie. Like he's, mm-hmm. like he's not all there or something. So I wouldn't be surprised if you were correct. But uh, let's dive into Hawkeye because we wanted to make sure that we were touching on that. We're going to talk episodes one through three since today is the day that episode four came out. Um, so, of course, we got the first two that dropped the first week. And I think the re- the general reception for it was kind of like meh when it first came, like the first two episodes. But then the third episode seems to have completely flipped that because it had, in my opinion, one of the best action scenes we've seen in a long time in Marvel. Uh, but Mark, what are you thinking about Hawkeye? And especially like because you're the comic guy. Yeah, I might be in the minority here, but even the first after watching the first two episodes, this immediately became one of my favorite shows to come out of Disney Plus. I mean, nice. I, I think of it as of right now. I know we're it's a little early to say we're only three episodes in, but this is just below Mandalorian. I can't really think of another show where I was maybe Doug days, which is amazing <laughs> that I, I've watched six times over with my son, but other than Doug days and Mandalorian, I can't think of another title that's come out of Disney plus that I preferred more. And yes, I'm, I'm still talking about what if Loki, like I would put this above those, but that's just me. Doug days over. What if Loki <laughs> WandaVision? I was specifically <laughs> talking about Hawkeye, but yes, Doug Days too. There you go. There you go. Sean, what are your thoughts? So I, I look at this as um I'm I'm with you. Uh, I saw the first two episodes and there are a lot of people complaining about them being set up episodes. Um I don't necessarily agree with them. I think that there was a little bit more to it than the setup. However, they were sort of like giving the message of what this show is gonna be about. This is gonna be about small stakes. This is gonna be about him trying to get home for Christmas, but there's a criminal organization after him. Um and then there's like the the best part about this and like sort of the theme of this whole thing is that, you know. It's branding and how you want to be a superhero and the superhero of it all. Because in the other ones, it's easy. Captain America, it was thrust upon him. Iron Man, he like asked for it. Thor, he just comes in like a god. Like Hawkeye was an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. And all of a sudden, he became a celebrity, a superhero, an Avenger. And did he want that? Does he want that? Is the And as Haley Steinfeld constantly says... Does he want that branding and uh, like working on that branding? Because, you know, people don't know him or they, you know, they see him the way we kind of make fun of him as well as the arrow guy or like, you know, oh, cool. What has he done? Or he's like a second tier. 
And I've, I've loved that they, they lean into that enough that it doesn't get tiring. And mm. I think that's what's great about it. And then the third episode is just monumentally great. I mean, you, you, you pack two emotional scenes, one of them a flashback scene um, with uh, Echo's story, and the other one an emotional scene with them on the phone. And then you have also two action scenes. And so, um, or at least like, I think one gigantic action scene, which that action scene, God bless them. It was COVID. I understand the green screens were pretty rough, um, but uh, in regard, but in, but it was so well structured mm -hmm. and so faithful to how the comic book worked and the dialogue between the two of them right after on the train. I, I love what this show is doing where it is so small scale but it doesn't stop it from being as fun as the other ones. It's tough for me to say which one is the best Marvel series. I mean, obviously we got to wait with three more. Um, yeah. But like you know, I th there's, there, there's weakness. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah me too. Um, but there's weaknesses that drag the other ones down. Wandavision has its problems. Loki, I kind of love unconditionally, but <laughs> like, mm -hmm. uh, I think uh, Captain the Winter Soldier has its problems. Um, and I, I just think. Uh, like there, there's there's issues with each one of them. What if, of course, like, you know, when you have an anthology, you're going to have weak points. But I absolutely love what this one is doing so far. Please, let's avoid too many like character, more characters getting introduced. It's getting a little bit, you know, it's getting a little bit crowded. But right now, it's all a lot of fun. And, you know, we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah, and, and I agree with you, Sean. And even coming from being a comic book reader, <laughs> to be transparent, I've never read the Matt Fraction run mm -hmm. of Hawkeye. Um, I'm not as familiar with the Echo character, but one thing that I'm very nitpicky about is an origin story on the big or on the screen. And I think they did a great job with yeah. Echo specifically. You know, it was it was right to the point and made sense. You know, and I, I didn't really have too many problems with it. And I think I think the pacing of the show so far is just keeping you engaged, and uh, I'm loving it. So I, I hope they don't let up. Hey, we're halfway through, or more than halfway through after uh, the fourth episode. So there's only two more left, I think, right? Six episodes? Six episodes, which that's tough. That's tough. That's going to be a real tough. I, I hate when they do that. Um, but it seems like WandaVision was the only one that was given their lovely eight. And everything else has been given six, which I, I hope they can do it. I hope they can, you know, mm -hmm. make something happen. But I think they can. But, you know, because they're like you said, their pacing has been great. I mean, the origin story for Maya it's unbelievable how fast that was and how emotionally impactful that was. Mm -hmm. And you care for that character immediately. <laughs> and it's like, Oh cool. That was like the, like the cold open and they somehow made it work. Yeah. The cold <laughs> open. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys, so with the news that uh, daredevils, um, Charlie Cox is going to be reprising the role in the MCU at some point. Do you guys consider those shows that were on Netflix part of the MCU or like, did you like those shows? So, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Defenders, Punisher. Did we even watch them? I didn't. I, I watched some of Daredevil, but mm -hmm. other than that, unfortunately, I've watched Iron Fist the whole way through <laughs> because we were going to review it one week and then we got done watching it. We're like, we got we have nothing to say about this show. <laughs> so, but I was never I was never really deep into those those Netflix versions um, of of the Marvel shows. I watched Punisher. That was yeah. about it. Um, so for me, not really. So I quite loved them uh, when they came out. Like uh, Daredevil came out, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones. I would watch them all. Then when the Defenders came out, it was just as exciting. What was great is they they are truly, in my opinion, a part of the Marvel Universe. Uh, maybe not the Punisher because of how horrifyingly violent it is, but technically it is. Mm -hmm. um, but 
it, the the um issue well like what they did was they said like you know hey well like you know luke cage why don't you help you with those friends downtown or they say i have bootleg copies of the attack on new york and stuff so they 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 acknowledged that it was there so yeah i can i can i'm willing to allow that they're a part of the marvel universe even though they weren't allowed in <laughs> like but um those shows got bad. All of them did uh, very fast. It was uh, pretty much one of those situations where I'm just going to spoil Defenders. So if you want to skip 30, go ahead and skip 30. <laughs> I, won't, but I won't watch it. I'll so. never watch it. <laughs> Daredevil dies. But the problem is they already knew how to bring everyone back to life all the time. So it's like like when like, you know, they do the next season of Daredevil or like of the Defenders. And it's like, oh, well, Daredevil wanted would have wanted us to, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, he's coming back, guys. First of all, he's the title guy. Second of all, we already know how to bring people back. And once you have like, you know, an automated system to like, you know, bring people back in some sort of like weird like way. Um, there's no suspense out of that. I mean, just to really veer off, Gotham did it too, where it's like, you know, oh, at the end of this episode, they killed the penguin. It's like, for, like they killed young penguin. It's like, no, they didn't. They brought back eight other people already. They're going to bring back him too. Like, there's no suspense anymore. And so that's when I like kind of cut ties with all of the Netflix um, uh, Marvel uh, sequ- uh, series. It looks like we might be getting some of those characters, at least other than, I- I'm-, I'm assuming other than, uh, what's his name? Uh, Charlie Cox. Keep wanting to call him Matt Murdock, which is actually the character's name. Um, but like Kristen Ritter, there's been talks of her popping over. Um, John Bernthal's been asked about it like nonstop the past couple weeks as he's been doing the being the Ricardos tour, not being the Ricardos, King Richard tour. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting, especially with all the talk like will Kingpin show up in this series? Will he not? Like all that stuff. So it'd be kind of cool to see them at least recognize them and bring them in a little bit um but who knows yeah who knows um while we're talking about disney plus there's a little bit of like breaking news but not it's rumored and reported by multiple people um but amandala stenberg the actress that's from the hate you give she was in the hunger games um she was in everything everything recently uh she is being rumored to lead the disney plus series star wars the acolyte uh, which right I, on. I have I have not heard about that series, but I have heard of her, and she is amazing. Um, live action, live action. That's so what she I'm was gonna... also in that I really liked. Uh, well, no, excuse me, I hated this movie, but I thought she was pretty good in it. Was uh, Dear Evan Hansen? Um, oh, but, that's uh, what I was. I was like, what was she in recently? I I had to look that up myself. I was wondering what it was, but uh, you know, I forgot that movie entirely for the rest of my life. They said that this series is going to take place in the final days of the High Republic era of Star Wars of the Star Wars timeline, and will focus on the emergence of secretive dark side powers hmm. about f- fifty years prior to the Phantom Menace. I mean, so really, uh, <laughs> keeping everything around these damn nine <laughs> movies. <laughs> It's like, just like, you know, hey, let's go off in the theater. No, 50, 50 hours before this time. <laughs> We're going to lead up to it. Um, all right, so let's continue with what we've been watching. I'm just going to touch on this real quick, but I uh, saw being the Ricardos a couple weeks ago, uh, and it comes out in theaters this week. This is, of course, about um, about uh, Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz uh, with uh, Javier Bardem. Uh, my dad goes, my dad saw the commercial yesterday. He goes, is that the guy from the Pirates movie? I'm like, yes, dad. He's also been in a lot of other things. Like, That's the one he goes to. <laughs> yeah. But the Pirates movie, but right? Pirates okay. Movie. Um, 
uh, it's a really good movie. I, so I love Aaron Sorkin. I will like inject anything Aaron Sorkin does in my veins because I just think he's really talented with getting to the drama. Uh, so it, it's a it's a pretty solid movie. Probably a little too long. And if you're not someone that's really in, interested about the behind the scenes, you might not be in, interested in this. It's kind of like insider baseball. A lot of uh, talk about what's going on with the actual uh, show itself and uh, how some of the stuff happening in the world outside and the accusations being levied at Lucio Ball and Desi Arnaz, how that could influence the show ultimately. Um, J.K. Simmons is awesome in it as uh, Fred. Uh, oh my gosh, I forget the last name, but as Fred. The um, neighbor, right? He plays like the neighbor of the... Yeah. That's such a good casting. <laughs> He's awesome. Raleigh? What's, is it Fred Raleigh? Frawley, I think. Frawley? Fred Frawley. Maybe. 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 Uh, I had no like idea. I think I've seen that Vita Veta Vegemin skit mm -hmm. from years ago of Lucille Ball, and that's the only one, which is actually hilarious. So, highly recommend that one. Um, it's a good, it's overall a good movie. It's so well acted. Uh, I think Javier Bardem kind of takes the cake here and is mm -hmm. uh, really, really good. I'd be surprised if he's not a front runner for an Oscar. But Nicole Kidman is fantastic as well. The makeup's a little jarring at first, um, it is a little weird. Um, but you know, I think they did enough to kind of get you to think of Lucille Ball when you saw her, and then she kind of takes it away with her mannerisms and stuff. So, uh, really, really solid movie all around. It's going to be on Amazon Plus, Amazon Plus, <laughs> Amazon Prime Video, right. a week from Friday, I believe it is. So, sorry if you mentioned this. Clark Gregg's in this as well, right? Clark Gregg is. Cool. Is he in it? <laughs> I think he is. Uh, I'm looking at the the cast right now. It says he's Howard Wink. Wink. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Something. Yeah. And Tony Hale's in this, correct? Tony Hale is also in it. God, so they guess. are some of the writers. Um, Jake Lacey's in it as well. You would recognize him if you saw him. He's been in a lot of other things. Um, it's Even the supporting cast is good. They don't have as much play. It's really them just trying to like figure out how to manage uh, yeah. Des Desi Arnaz and Lucille Ball. Desi Arnaz ran that damn show, essentially. Mm -hmm. like, he was, like the business mind behind it. And Lucille Ball was obsessed with getting everything right. Like part of the movie just focuses on like getting this one scene right, and she was obsessed about it. Um, so it's it's interesting. I, I definitely recommend it. Uh, it's not Sorkin's best, but even a movie that's not Sorkin's best is still a really damn good movie. So mm -hmm. Jake um, Lacey is in uh, White Lotus, isn't he? Yes, he is. He's isn't he like oh. the asshole in White Lotus? I mean, there's a few, but <laughs> I, I, haven't, I haven't watched it. But that's how it was relayed to me. <laughs> Have you watched yeah. White Lotus, Sean? Yeah, he is. Um, I believe he is the asshole, um, like the uh, the okay. recent uh, newlywed. Oh, there we go. Um, and uh, he uh, also was um, one of the later additions to the office after uh, Carell left. Yeah, okay. that, that is one upcoming show. My we have HBO Max, and we're always scrolling through like series to watch. We're watching Succession right now, but we were thinking about starting White Lotus, and I've heard differing opinions on that. Would you recommend it's, it? I, I would. Um, I, I didn't like how it ended, um, but um, my uh, wife was uh, like watching it like during one day off and she crushed the entire thing in one day. And I heard her <laughs> screaming from it's, like in the bed. I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, so she absolutely loved it. So I think it's something that like people either like it or love it. I don't know if anyone's really hated it, but it's a it's a solid show. OK, cool. Check that out. Check that out. Um, real quick, have you guys seen Amy Pascal recently on this press tour with uh, Kevin Feige when she's asking answering questions about <laughs> Spider-Man and Marvel and all that stuff? Oh, I I have not, but I think I've heard a few things. It is pretty special. <laughs> oh, 
is that real life? That's this is real the kind life. of this is what this is who I want in charge of my art though. Like I want someone like this. Don't give me someone who's polished up or anything like that. Just give me someone who's like going nuts, <laughs> going crazy. That's what I want. Sean, you saw Encanto finally. Uh, Mark was mentioning that they covered it too a couple weeks ago or saw it two weeks ago. What did you mm-hmm. think? Well, this is the um like this will be um like I, I just can't imagine uh like the fifth nomination of the best animated feature because it's just like there's the big five right now. It's gonna be Raya, Flea, Encanto. Um, I know I was gonna screw this up. Um, machines. Mitchell's versus the machines and then the Pixar Luca. And it's like, after that, it's just like, there's a cliff of <laughs> movies. So um, I don't know if boss baby two's got it or not. Like, we'll, let's see what they can, we can only hope. <laughs> but um, so I was very curious about this one. Um, I also always wonder like, will eventually the Lynn Manuel Miranda fatigue set in didn't work for tick, tick, boom. Cause I love tick, tick, boom. And like other, uh, you know, other Lynn Manuel Miranda properties. I have not liked others. I have absolutely adored. And so it's one of those things where I said, all right, how is this going to fit in? I think that this was fine. Um, I think they, you know, shot for the moon and they landed amongst the stars, like well done with Encanto. Um, I, um, there's, there was some emotional moments that, you know, had me crying, like the flashback scene and towards like, you know, the beginning of the third act. Um, I like how this had a pretty good resolution of, uh, you know, like who knows what's going to happen with, uh, you know, like powers and stuff like that. I really dug that. Um, I really thought it was animated very well. If it wasn't a little bit inconsistent, I was okay with it though. It like, you know, it, it kept it real when it needed to be. Um, I just really loved the design of this one in general. And there, and then to talk about the Lin-Manuel Miranda who wrote the music, it was damn good music, like really good uh, to the point where like he's putting his style in there, especially one of the songs at the end where the two of them are like kind of rap arguing or rap talking and stuff like that. And I was like, this is literally a scene from Hamilton. <laughs> just, I was getting a little bit annoyed by that, but then there was its own thing. The animation at the points during the music was very well done, including the uh, strong sister uh, holding all the donkeys and then the animation just devolving into something that was absolutely crazy and a mm. solid moral throughout the whole thing that was like very interesting. Stephanie Beatrice, I always forget that like her her voice can actually be high because I've just seen too much of Brooklyn Nine-Nine that I always just imagine her as uh, Rosa. Oh. And so I just don't imagine her as terrifying. But in general... This is a solid Disney animated film of the recent ones, a little bit lower than usual, but I'm a Moana head till I die. So, you know, there oh, we go. Hell yeah. Whoa. Did you think it like resolved itself too quickly? Because I that was one of my biggest complaints with it. I felt like it was like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Oh, she's running away. Grandmother goes over. OK, we're done. And now everything's fine again. Like, I, I, think just, was- I felt like that was so quick. It was one of these things where, yeah, the grandmother goes over and then the grandmother kind of like, you know, somehow through, I guess, magic uh, shows her, um, (laughs) you know, like shows what went down in a much more disturbing way than the opening did, which I guess you're supposed to do or a much more not disturbing, realistic way than the opening did, where you sort of see the husband kind of be like, I'm going to chill back here. And you pretty much come very close to seeing the violent end that he must have met. And I, I think that it was one of those things where she realized the sacrifices that are made by the family um, and the sacrifices that she could try to make for that family as well and how she can belong in her own way. Um, 
Then it like all of a sudden it was, well, the community is the real magic. And then I was like, okay, well, it's a Disney movie. So like they'll, they'll build the house. And then, you know, a part of me hoped that the house didn't turn into magic again. And I actually genuinely forget if they get their powers back again or not. But a part of me hoped they didn't because there was something to that that I liked a little bit more. But, um, <laughs> uh, you know, it's ending on a Disney movie note. That's going to be happening. Disney's all about like female empowerment and stuff and then undercutting it with like powers <laughs> like milan <laughs> remember they're like why is she so strong and great she has that magic it's, it's the chi she has the chi which i'm like that <laughs> can't be okay <laughs> you, you know where Encanto failed is they didn't have a mushu they didn't have a pua i mean it's it's set it's set in this uh fantasy type landscape where it pretty much reminded me of like south america colombia wherever um, and you could have utilized, I mean, they did, they had like go a gorgeous scenery animals, but they just didn't have like that animal sidekick. And I've just felt like they, they, they could have utilized that to, to so, their benefit and they just didn't. Here's what's going to be. I'm going to do a little detective work. Um, because they had uh, that bird at the end, which was funny for about 10 minutes. And then the bird flew away and you're like, oh, damn, I wish that, that might've been, that would have been the character. Was. That's what yeah. was because that's who Alan Tudyk played. Um, because yeah, he's he always, <laughs> he always plays an animal with no lines. <laughs> they had the jack. Was it a jaguar? I think show up mm -hmm. or a leopard. Well, they that had the opportunity because the, the kid but, talked yeah. to animals. <laughs> like, and, yeah, and they had these things that are like gopher, aardvark things. I don't, I don't know what. I wonder if part of that got cut. Honestly, because it feels like they were trying to set it up and by including them on the poster, like they're alluding to them. But I wonder if that was because, again, I think the movie like comes to a sudden halt all of a sudden. So yeah. I wonder if there's some stuff that wasn't included ultimately. But I don't know. That that kid was yeah. really funny, too, with the bird. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a pretty small thing to be critical about. But I mean, it's Disney, man. They always have like that animal sidekick. And they just this is this is the movie where they should have had that. Just gonna, the region it was it seemed to be in. And they it's gonna hurt them that. in the toy department. Yep, that's very true. Yeah. Uh does succession no have toys, Mark? I, they should. <laughs> it, it does, but not the ones in Encanto. <laughs> Mark, what have you been watching? Uh Succession, <laughs> which is um, it's it's perfect for me. I love the dark humor. I I, I mean, people are like, yes, it's a drama, but Stop. it's it's not. It is not. And this last episode mainly featured Roman, Roman. And all I got to say, if you're caught up, you know how Roman is, but he's just he's a creeper. He just goes a little too far and gets caught up in his own shit. And it's one of the most epic episodes of television I've watched in a long time. That's all I'm going to say. I will say it's Kieran Culkin's acting in this scene is truly amazing where I won't I will not reveal what happens. But basically, he sends an explicit pick to the wrong person. And the moment he realizes that this occurs, the it, it's some of the best acting I've seen by an actor. It, like because we have this character that has just been confident, bravado, like doesn't care about anything and has basically been, you know, has always been a, a piece of shit, but is been pure evil this season. And the come down at that moment, it's just like everything inside of him has been broken down. I'm like, how do you like just show that in just pure quiet nature? Oh my god. It I it, don't watch it. <laughs> I was gonna say, I was like, <laughs> Joe knows on our podcast we we don't just agree with each other to agree with each other, but Sean, dude, you you hit it right on the nose, man. His acting 
<laughs> I'm not saying I know a good actor when I see one because fucking Nick Cage is up there for me. All right. But let's, <laughs> you're a fast and a furious. I mean, he did just fan. do Pig. Nick Cage absolutely <laughs> murdered it in Pig. So he did do it in Pig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He definitely has those chops. But dude, Kieran Culkin, it's kind of scary because you're like, is he really like this in real life? Because he embodies his character so well. It's not even just that scene. If you really focus in on him, even when he's a background character and he just mm -hmm. like mumbles some shitty thing that he wants to say or um, says something under his breath. It's like, he's just so good in this role. It's overwhelming. The way he stands is horrible. Like the yeah. way they like dress him. And I think he's like gained enough weight to just have a bit of a paunch as he's yeah. like, kind of like hanging out. I'm just like, I'm like, Oh God, you're just a disgusting person to look at. It's yeah, just amazing. He's... No offense, Gary Culkin, you're working with it, but damn. Yeah. He's, he's so good. He's so good. And then King Richard's the other one, huh? Yeah, King Rich. Yeah, sorry, Joe. Um, so I am, not a I am not a tennis guy. <laughs> Frankly, tennis is my least favorite sport. I've never been interested in it. And after watching this, I'm not saying I'm interested in tennis now because I'm not. <laughs> but I will say Will Smith did, a, no surprise, did an amazing job in this role. He plays the father of Venus and Serena Williams, goes back to their childhood, kind of shows how he he made them into the prodigies that they were back then. Um, especially with the situation, um, their living situation being in, in Compton. And it mainly focuses from like when they were eight up until when they were like 14, when they won their first big tournament or whatever it was. It surprised me on it. It was surprising how much I liked this movie, considering I never watched tennis. Tennis. I don't have any interest in watching <laughs> tennis, but it was a good movie. And you don't have to know anything about tennis to appreciate it. So I will recommend it. That's a good point it's, for it being a sports sports movie. You don't have to know anything about the sport and you mm -hmm. don't need to enjoy it in order to enjoy the movie. That's a really good point. It's one of those things where this is like a 90s sports movie. And I and I mean that in the greatest of compliments. And that's because like those were when the last great sports movies are coming out, like late mm -hmm. 90s, early aughts. And it truly just like, you know, focuses on a sport, but puts the emotion of the humanity there. It mm -hmm. does not try to do a little bit too much of one or a little bit too much of the other. Yeah. And, you know, we see that sometimes like blind size, just like, let's just focus on this family the whole time. And then, Hey, look, a football play quick. Oh, it's gone. Mm -hmm. um, it's just like you, instead we look at something that like has both sides of it, but really has to like a lot of the emotion goes into the sport and that's how it eventually should end. Even if just like uh, me, I am not even close to a tennis guy as well. And so like, just like me, I didn't know what was going on at all. And so I was mm -hmm. just like, I mean, I don't care. I'm following the, um, everyone that is uh uh cheering and that's how i knew that something good was going on and yeah that was that was what made it great really though agree it was a little too long though too it was like mm -hmm. two hours 20 minutes i don't think it needed to be that but at the same time i wasn't disappointed at the end like oh my god i just wasted my time watching that listen i'm getting to the point where now when i go to watch a movie if it is over two hours i'm like audibly groaning and pissed yeah. off about it mm -hmm. oh so annoying um, speaking, we mentioned Nicolas Cage a few times. We talked about Willy's Wonderland briefly. Um, this is happening literally on Twitter as we speak, but someone asked the director, Geo Parsons, uh, if there's a sequel coming, and he said, still trying. So it uh, looks like they're looking for someone to pick it up, but it sounds like he has an idea and probably a script. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, we talked to him about a year back, and he just sort of said he was ready for, like, he's had some, like, ideas brewing in this universe and how he can explore it further. And I was like, you want to go deeper into this shit, man? <laughs> like, I mean, we try I, pitching him? 
We're oh, like we do a feet, do an amusement park. Do it. You know? We had a few good ideas too. He was kind of taking notes, and we're gonna be out on a uh, royalty check there. Or maybe they had like an underground sex ring where they were just creating all these little little Muppet baby murderers. And they were just waiting for the, these little Muppet things to emerge. Why am I calling them Muppet? They're like animatronic, whatever dudes. But still, that'd be a good idea too. I like Mark, how we're like. I think there has to be some kind of subtlety in this first. <laughs> no, go right to it. Just go right to it. We're like amusement parks. The first one's based in like a Chuck E. Cheese, and Mark's like, "What if there's an underground sex ring?" <laughs> All right, let's dive into some more news. What's going on here? Uh, the first one is that the director of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, director Destin Daniel Cretton, has inked a deal with Marvel Studios officially uh, to helm uh, Shang-Chi 2, uh, as well as an un uh, unknown, previously unknown Disney Plus series. So this is like the 43rd Disney Plus Marvel series that's in the work works. <laughs> Uh, but he's making stuff for Disney Plus as well as he'll be doing stuff with Hulu's Onyx Collective. So pretty good for him. Um, I don't know if I ever saw Mark. Did you like Shang-Chi? Who's that directed to? Me? Yeah. I, I love Shang-Chi. Yeah. I would be crazy enough to say I think it's in my top, I'll say seven. I was going to say five, <laughs> but I'm not going to list them off, but I, I would confidently say seven. I really liked it. Really, The old liked. classic top seven. Yeah, but it's no surprise, no surprise for me because I grew up like watching um, Rumble in a Bronx, like going to the library yeah. and just getting all the old classic Jackie Chan movies. That was what I loved to do when I was like seven years old. Um, so awesome. I've always been in love with the martial arts aspect, and I think they did a phenomenal job in that department. That's one of those movies, Sean, I think I mentioned it before that I watched it the first time and was like, oh, yeah, decent. Uh, it was OK. Like, we're back to Marvel, all that stuff. I watched it a second time and I was like, oh, this is a really good movie. Like, what was wrong with me that night? I saw it. Really I'm, enjoyed I'm, it. I'm going to rewatch it again because I think I was at a time where I was like weirdly critical about like Marvel movies for some reason. I think it was because mm -hmm. we haven't seen any in a while. So that might have been the, the overhype problem. Um, but uh, I mean, I still liked it quite a bit. Like, yeah. I mean, quite a bit. So um, and this is a brilliant piece of news, uh, like and just an exceptionally great move because this was beloved by so many people. Non-Marvel fans adored this movie. And it's probably because it was kind of sort of a separate property with the exception of, uh, you know, a couple of characters throw, uh, throwing the hat in at the end. Like this was a very separate property. It was really really loved by people and as this universe expands with this series and with this sequel it'll still kind of just be a separate property that once again a couple of characters will like stick there like you know cat marvel be like hey what's going on you guys need cream no cream okay no cream and then <laughs> just like come in and out and then i i, I just love this is just such a smart move because of how like loved this was because let's face it two marvel uh, marvel movies oh, a couple more um but uh like the first two that came out were black widow and shang chi and black widow was received okay not great but shang chi was really really loved and then you know eternals loved like you know by audiences hated by critics and has that been it have there only been three since the pandemic yep wow and there's no other ones coming up uh, in this month right or is there a Nothing. No, nothing. no Spider-Man yeah, no, or anything. Nothing. No, no big, uh, no big Marvel movies. But um, I think, uh, like you know, I think of them. I think Shang Chi might be the top of those three new ones. And so, yeah, let's do this. Let's get some more Disney Plus stuff. Um, and I think this will go into. Oh, this is what I was thinking of. The series is going to go into probably the um, 
ten rings. Uh, sister, yeah, the Ten Rings uh, doing the sister army. Um, I, I know there's better words, um, but uh, <laughs> it could be uh, fun in that regard, without a doubt. How'd you guys like Aquafina in it? I, I for one, was uh, <laughs> pleasantly surprised at how much I wasn't annoyed by her in Shang-Chi because I was first introduced to her mainly, well, she was what? She's like an artist or something. So I see her on Twitter. But Ryan, the last dragon is her like first work where she obviously was just voice acting through it. But something about her voice and just the character she played really just annoyed me. And I was like, I don't know if I could deal with her, you know, in this in this movie. But I really liked her as that that side character, I'll call it. And in, uh, in Shang-Chi. I mean, I I'm, uh, oh, I'm, I'm an Aquafina apologist. I love her in absolutely everything, including Ryan. I'm like, okay. I'm, but there's just something about like, you know, the the goofy high energy thing that I just really like love. Um and yeah. so, but I will say that in this, I can see why more people liked her though, because it was a little bit more dialed down, she but it was still it hysterical. Yeah. 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 I didn't like her when I first saw the movie. Um, I wasn't a fan of her, but I wasn't a fan of much of the movie apparently. Um, but I did really <laughs> enjoy her in the second, uh, the second time I saw it. I loved her in Jumanji. Welcome to the jungle. I oh, thought yeah, she, was she was hilarious in that. In that. Okay. Um, Wait, and she's also, yeah, she was in that. In the, yeah. The first one, the second one. Oh, I didn't see the second one. That's why. Okay, good. Yeah, she's in the second <laughs> one. She's really funny. Um, she's also playing Scuttle or voicing Scuttle in uh, The Little Mermaid <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, my God. And, Sean, just so you know, when we did our Disney Princess draft, nobody drafted Ariel. Just so you know. What? Okay, I have to. I, well, I should watch it. Um, but, uh, like, I have to. Um, I have to see this or listen to it. Um, because that that is fa- I got I got to see the lists on this. Just thing go here. on Instagram. Just, just go on our Instagram. That's the easiest way to to. Nobody drafted Ariel. Wow. Brooke tried doing Princess Diana, but it was. But why would you draft Ariel? I mean, you're, I was going to say go to Spencer and do Princess. We're Diana. each doing four four picks. Um, Ariel just didn't cut it. I don't even think she would have been top eight for me. I mean, Moana, I would pick way over Ariel. First I would pick Ariel, Moana first. Yeah. Pretty useless out of the water. Moana can at least control the ocean when she's near it. Um, but then, I mean, what's, what's Moana going to do on land? So is this like argument. a Super Smash Brothers type yeah, thing? It's like, a battle royale. It's literally oh, a death match. Okay. <laughs> it's a death match. Okay, we got, we got Megan here. That's cool from Hercules. We got uh, Pocahontas. And we got the chick from Brave. Elsa, Nala. The other one from... Oh, no, that's Tangled. And uh, oh, the Atlantis one—that's fun. Terrible uh, movie, but that one she, cracked me up. <laughs> terrible movie, but she's a badass character. Number one for Raya on Brick. That's very interesting. <laughs> I yeah. like it though. I like that's like that's a gutsy number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mulan, uh, Sleeping Beauty, Fiona. <laughs> Br- Brick's oh, logic yeah. with Sleeping Beauty was, "I'll just, I'll just pretend I'm dead." I'm like, "All right, Brick. Yeah, <laughs> sure. That, that, that's gonna work in battle." <laughs> Hey, I mean, technically, that'll be the end of the battle. Yeah. Out of control. All right. uh, The next story that we're discussing is Lindsay Wallace, the character that uh, Kyle Richards portrayed back in 1978's Halloween and then brought back in Halloween Kills this year, is going to be once again returning for Halloween Ends. Uh, I don't think this series is ending, but Halloween Ends in 2022, which hasn't started filming yet. So that movie is going to get delayed. Mark my words. But apparently they expanded her role because people really enjoyed seeing her in the second one, I guess. 
Uh, so she's going to have an expanded role in the third. Do we like this? Do we need this, Sean? I, like, oh, like, oh, people like seeing her. They like seeing her because she was the only one out there doing shit because Jamie Lee Curtis was in a hospital bed the whole time. <laughs> Let him burn. The whole movie. Just screaming like, in the back of a pickup truck. Oh, God. I really disliked this movie so much. And there was such cool like moments in it, but in general, it was not good. Um, I think she was fine. So like, I'd say like, if there's a high point, it's her. So it's kind of cool that maybe they're expanding her role. But you're right. Like the fact that they definitely haven't filmed anything because they're deciding to expand her role now means have they wrote a script? <laughs> and I I thought that they had already filmed this. I was under the impression they did back to back. But then after this one came out, they started talking about how they're going to incorporate the pandemic in it, into it because it's going to have a oh, now I'm gonna time job. I am going to despise this movie. <laughs> Joe, they got, I mean, they have to find a bunch of new townspeople. Michael just trucked through all of them. <laughs> Big spoiler. Sorry, guys. I mean, if that's no, a surprise, people, that's a spoiler. Yeah. In like a, a Walking Dead style montage, he just takes them out one by one. <laughs> oh, my God. Out of control. Do, like, do we care about this series anymore? I mean, I really hated that one. I, like, I love, I, I really did like the uh, the reimagining, whatever it was, just the Halloween 2018, I think it was called. Um, yeah. I, I, I liked that quite a bit. I did. Um, I just really strongly disliked this movie. The, the dumbest thing in it, without a doubt, is still the fact that they're like, there's Mike Myers. There he is. He was four feet tall and like <laughs> 300 pounds. <laughs> Has anyone seen Mike Myers before? Oh, cool. He's wearing the mask, but I think. <laughs> you talking about the hospital scene? The hospital the scene with all the, the penguin looking dude, Oswald Cobblepot looking dude. <laughs> it's literally, like, I'm like, at least get a guy. If you're going to do that kind of scene, which would have been like kind of a cool scene, have another six foot dude that, like, I don't know, maybe looks a little bit different. Like, if you want to <laughs> suspend some disbelief, but my God, like, <laughs> you know what? Yeah. I, I'm at the other end of this, guys. I actually enjoyed this one better than 2018. <laughs> Let me defend myself. Go, Let me defend go, go. myself. All right. There were just better kills. The kills, I mean, I get made fun of on our show because I have this bloodlust, you know, in movies, in, in <laughs> horror movies specifically. I could care less about the storyline. I could care about care less at how campy or cheesy it was. The beginning was so campy, so cheesy. But I think that's what they were trying to do. But also, yes, there were a bunch of plot holes, things with, that made you think, like, what the hell are they talking about? But at the same time, go back and just YouTube yep. kills in Halloween 2018 and then do the same for this one. I just like the kills way more. And I don't think Halloween 2018 had that many kills either. Now that I think about it, it, it was just this one was over the top ridiculous. And that was the movie I was ready for when I went into the theaters. And that's what I got. So I was actually quite happy when I was. There. I wholeheartedly agree with you on that one, Mark, especially like the uh, I mean, this is going to just sound this makes me sound terrible. But like the him just mowing down the firefighters was <laughs> yes. so well done. And then right after that, the old old couple in their house, where I think he murdered a guy by stabbing yeah. him with a light bulb, like that, like that, that's the kind of shit you do go to. Okay, maybe, maybe yeah, I love this movie. Let's let's have eight more. <laughs> yeah, you, I, I saw that old couple, and I was at, it was towards the beginning of the movie, and I'm thinking yeah. like maybe they're gonna go the route of like Michael just looking at them, scaring the shit out of them, and then walking out the front door. Nah, <laughs> just instantly just brutally murdered them. <laughs> Breaks a light bulb, and I'm like, they're not going to do it. I think they're going to, oh! yeah, yeah. The behind the scenes is really cool for how they did that uh, scene with the firefighters. Check that oh, out. I got to check that out now. It's That's really cool. cool. It's was really there a cool. pitchfork involved in that one? Was it a pitchfork? Yes. 
It was the Jaws of Life, I thought. Yeah. Like, where he picked one of them up by the Jaws of Life and, like, decapitated him or something like that. Well, that's but... definitely involved, but... <laughs> there was <laughs> one thing that... where he had, like... A, I think it was a pitchfork where he's, like, he holding a guy up. up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was... Oh. <laughs> That was crazy. That's that's the only part I'm going to defend that movie on is I I just feel like they did a good job with the kills and the goriness. So do you guys think we're going to get any kills or anything like that from the penguin in The Batman when Colin Farrell plays him next year in the movie (laughs) and then follows up with a series? Apparently this one of one of multiple Batman spinoff series that they're doing on HBO Max is going to follow Colin Farrell's penguin and his rise to crime and uh in gotham city and stuff mark you're i feel like this is going to be right up your alley yeah um a couple things i hope for is i hope he has an iceberg lounge or casino or however you want to uh to twist it but i hope there's like his his pad his bachelor pad that he he has in the comics which is typically the iceberg lounge as for an origins if they're going to do that um I'm pretty well versed with the character. I'm thinking like during when this character was introduced in like the golden age. So this was like at the beginning of Batman comics. Um, it was kind of a weird introduction. I mean, he was getting made fun of for his features. So I'm curious to see if, what they're going to do with that sort of thing. There was another story arc where his mom always made him walk around with an umbrella because his dad caught pneumonia one time when they were walking out in the rain and he died. So his mom always had this, was always freaking out about being outside without an umbrella. So there's there's a lot of weird routes you could take with this character. But at the end of the day, give me the Iceberg Lounge. Give me some type of struggle growing up because of his odd features and looking kind of like a bird. Um, and I think they also should have him have a fascination with birds because that was always in the uh, backstory of, of Penguin. He always was fascinated with birds. I'm interested in how they're going to do this. Only like I, I hear what you're saying. I feel like I got a lot of that out of Batman 1989. Yeah, um, like we we've done this before. So I don't. I just don't know what route they're taking. And with the number of villains that we have in the movie, obviously he's. I think Colin Farrell has said before that he's in the movie in like a blink and you miss it type thing. Like he's not in mm-hmm. it long. Um, so they'll probably they'll probably set him up for something in the future uh, if they continue on with those Batman movies. But yeah, weird demand. I don't know. Here's what I'm hoping they don't do that. Tim Burton did with Tim Burton did that movie, right? Yeah. He made him just a grotesque, sickening guy. I mean, he was eating fish. Think about Penguin. He's a mob boss. He's a little bit more discreet. He's actually one of the only Batman villains that doesn't have a psychological issue, you know, doesn't think he's, some crazy person he's he he actually has a straight mind and that actually helps him out through a lot of situations with batman because he's not completely crazy um and he always has women around typically in the comics so he was never really seen as just that creepy danny devito type penguin character and i'm not saying i'm not saying that's not an iconic take on penguin um but yeah i i hope they go a different route because there are a lot of different things you can do with this character sean what are you hoping for with this are you is this something that excites you i mean it does i i you know i have faith in uh colin farrell as a performer um and the fact that they're like cashing in their chips with the series with him uh shows that probably he's doing pretty good in this batman movie um and so in regards to that i'm i'm looking forward to it it's very interesting because they announced the series 
quite a while ago, a couple of months ago, I believe. And now they're announcing finally that it's Colin Farrell. Were they sweating this whole time? Like wondering if they're going to get him or they... they just, I mean, the original story didn't cover it at all. Other than saying like, it was about the penguin and they were like, Oh, well, okay, cool. Everyone was like, are they going to have like, him back? Are they not? What's going so on? Is Colin coming? It's like, I don't know. <laughs> like, so I guess, I mean, I'm glad that it finally reached that sort of area. Cause especially if you have something so popular, which is going to be this Batman movie, which is going to be this portrayal of the penguin. It's like, then you're just going to have some other, portrayal there that's probably not going to work so the fact that they were able to get Kyle Farrell is uh, quite uh, quite a relief I'm assuming that's a very DC and Warner Brothers thing though they'd be like oh that's a different penguin <laughs> like, just... Zach Efron <laughs> yeah <laughs> there it is there's the Oscar um, maybe this one will get an Oscar though another DC movie that's coming is The Metal Men um, Mark I'm totally going to you on this to see if you Please know anything do. about this but <laughs> They're doing an animated movie called The Metal Men. And the real interesting piece about this is who's behind it. Um, so it has Disney veterans Ron Clements and John Musker, who are responsible for oh. some movies like, oh, that's a real exciting excitement, uh, Little Mermaid, Aladdin, and Princess and the Frog. So they wrote the film's treatment. And that's kind of wild for a DC movie to me because they're, I mean, that's like, I forget what they call that age of Disney. If it's not the golden age, it's similar of their animation. But um it's about six robots that have unique powers and personalities that are associated with their metals. And I don't know, Mark <laughs> help. Um, before we get into the characters, a <laughs> <laughs> couple things, Sean, I'll let you take it away in a second about these, uh, these writers as for, I don't know, are they going to do any directing? I just need to know who the directors are because there's there's a few routes you can go with DC animated films. And typically it's either uh, J.O. Levi, I think it is, or Sam Liu. And they have done the majority of all the DC animated films, which I love. So I'm talking all the Justice League movies. Typically the Batman movies were done by J.O. Leva. Um, so I want to know who the director is. But with that said, Metal Men... They were created by the scientists um, who created these AI functioning robots. And they all have, they are all named, I think, after metals, or they all have powers after metals, like gold, copper, tin, um, mercury's one. That's, that pretty much sums it up. They are, <laughs> a, a, they are not well known in the DC universe. And I think for, I, I've never been too interested in it. I was going to say for good reason. I'm sure there's people out there that love the metal men. I'm just not that person, but I just hope they get one of the directors that have done DC animated films in the past because I love them. They date Go ahead, back, Sean. Sean's quick. losing his mind. I know. They date back to the sixties to 62, um, but they're eyeing Clements and Musker to direct them to co-direct the movie. Oh, hold on. One, one more thing in the sixties, Okay, Metal Men, the, one of the co-creators, which this is cool in my eyes, one of the co-creators <laughs> created uh, w was the creator of Poison Ivy. So, I mean, this who, whoever created these characters knew what they were doing for the most part. Um, I just have never really got into, um, into the titles. Sean, you're really pumped about this. I, I should have uh, been a little bit more prepared on the outline and uh, read that article because I would have realized that Clements and Musker are involved in a DC animated project. That's amazing. So these guys are just amazing animated directors, like just truly like you can go Disney's golden age. But even recently, I mean, they did Moana. 
we've we've talked about Moana here. They they did dude, Moana, dude, hold Aladdin. On. Okay, go on. Yeah, I'm gonna blow your mind in two in two after you're done. I have a story. I'm gonna blow your mind because I just realized you said Musker, right? John Musker. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Finish what you're saying, John. <laughs> Moana, Aladdin, The Little Mermaid, Treasure Planet, Princess and the Frog, Hercules, The Great Mouse Detective, The Black Cauldron. I mean, this is like some like these are like some like insanely classic movies. And the I I I've like I've researched these guys sometimes, and they take such great care with their animation, and they want to take that animation to different levels at different times. The casting they go through to make sure that these people are the same way. Hercules, Hercules is the like oh. Musker and Clements are just like, like they, they truly, I mean, there's others out there. There's others out there that helped that golden age of Disney animation, but Musker and Clements are truly the ones there. Go for it, Mark. So I'm sitting down to dinner the other night. This is a, this is a couple of weeks ago. And uh, my son is obsessed with Moana. I like to dance with the water, the undertow and the waves. The water is mischievous. I like how it misbehaves. So, yeah, I've watched it that many times in the span of a couple of weeks. Like, he cannot get enough of it. We're sitting down at this restaurant. My parents are there. And my dad is, he went to a high school called Loyola Academy um, out in the suburbs, kind of near Chicago. We're talking about Moana. And my dad just drops. He's like, this guy, John Musker, I think is pretty high up there. I'm like... First of all, I didn't know who John Musker was at, at the time. And <laughs> after I looked him up, I'm like, wait, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, we went to high school together. He was two years older than me. I think he's pretty oh high up with Disney animation. And I'm like, the other day, we're finishing Moana for the 40th time. And one of the first names that pops up is John Musker. And I'm like, dude, dad, how the how the hell did you just drop this on me right now? Like, my dad knew this guy from high school. And we're at dinner the other day. He's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure he did something with that Moana movie. Thanks, Dad. Thanks. That's awesome. <laughs> I can do that, John Musker. He's pretty high up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you you can look him up on Wikipedia. I like had to go different routes to make sure this was the guy he's talking about. And lo and behold, John Musker, life and career. Grew up in Chicago, Illinois. Went to Loyola Academy. So I'm like, God, oh my God, God damn it, Dad. <laughs> they still keep in touch. <laughs> yeah, I know, right. Uh, so to take the, the the wind out of your sails here, uh, the while the treatment was written by Clements and Musker, uh, the the treatment's going to be adapted and the script's going to be written by Celeste Ballard. Uh, oh. Celeste Ballard wrote Space Jam: A New Legacy. <laughs> oh God! Sean's going to pee. <laughs> this is, this is or, Sean's he might, or he might be going to watch a new legacy. He might have forgot that the new Space Jam came out. How, and how freaking terrible it was. <sighs> oh my God. It's crazy that they're dipping back into these old, like, unknown characters, though. Um, I guess it makes sense, but the me- the pictures are kind of weird. But, and the, one of them's a woman. A woman. Why are they called the Metal Men? Uh, that's a good point, Joe. I don't know. I don't you know, what, you know how it was like in the 60s. You surprised? Don't just understand. the default men. You just got to put man or men at the end of it. Swingers. Um, all right. So the last story here is that Deadline's reporting that Dave Batista is in negotiations to star in the next M. Night Shyamalan film, Knock at the Cabin. We don't know anything about the movie. Uh, Shyamalan's going to write and direct it. Uh, and yeah, this comes after old hit theaters this year. <laughs> and I hated old. Um but it was number one at the box office, did rather well, and Knock at the Cabin comes out February 3rd, 2023. Sean, I can't remember if you liked Old or not. 
When it comes to Shyamalan, I do kind of buckle up for a very, very horrible roller coaster ride and know that there is some fun moments at times, but for the most part, it's an absolute nightmare. And old was that where I sort of like I sit back and I'm like, I, I can appreciate what I'm watching kind of because this guy does have some great sensibility to what a horror film could be. But then he starts to like mock his own movie. And it, it 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 turns into a bit of a confusing mess when he does that. It's like, is he serious? Is he always just trying to mock it? Because that sort of takes you out of it. And that's been what he started to do lately. And I mean, this is the guy that made the sixth sense. There's something to him. He's got beauty in there. We all know it. We all see it. It's there. Signs, the village, even I'll I'll, I'll take, even though that one starts to drift. But I, I the think happening, the happening. Can't forget about the happening. I, I think I did, <laughs> but um, I, I look at this and I, I say to myself that, you know, is, is M. Night Shyamalan played out? Is he, you know, someone that like is not good. He gets the stars and he gets a lot of the stars. I think actors really love working with this guy. And maybe that's because they can get their faces out there better because his like still the box office results are pretty solid. And there are fans that will defend him at any take. Um, and sometimes, to their credit, like sometimes there's some great stuff in there. There's a lot of people that genuinely did love old, and I kind of love those people and love to hear the great things they had to say about it. But I just I was not one of them. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see Dave Batista in this. What kind of angle is he going to go at? Because I do think Dave Batista is a very charming and fun actor, but I don't know if he can <laughs> what he can do in a movie with Shyamalan. Because you know, I I think Shyamalan is an actor's director. That's why he gets these people. I genuinely think that's the case. And, uh, you know, he like maybe lets them do what they want. And that's why things get a little bit nutty. But is Batista someone that needs to be coached or is he someone that wants to like, you know, venture out on his own? Now, he always complains about his characters not getting enough and like, you know, all of the Marvel movies. He does complain a lot. I don't think, you know, after you're with Shyamalan, man, you ain't complaining, dude. (laughs) Here's my thing with Shyamalan. I think he's tired. I think like he his initial movies were good because of the shock value and the surprise. But like, you know, when you think about what we were just talking about with the metal men, um, in terms of like people writing treatments and stuff, I think he he could write a treatment really well, but he needs someone else to flesh out those scripts because those scripts take some weird ass turns. And I would even say don't direct, just executive produce the damn movie and bring someone else in. Um, because have your cameo too. Yeah, have your cameos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> him and Lin Manuel Miranda. Um, but I just, I don't know. I'm kind of over the movies. But and Mark, isn't this like isn't old part of the punishment? You were saying for yeah, losing old, old is the punishment. <laughs> I, I was thinking about like maybe an older one, like The Happening. But then I I thought back and was just like, well, one of the greatest cin- cinematic moments in history has come from The Happening when that guy just lays down in front of that lawnmower. Oh, that was yeah. probably one of the best movie moments of all time. So you can't shit on Shyamalan that much. <laughs> um, yeah, I he's gonna he the loser's gonna watch old. As for this movie, I don't know. It, I think it's gonna be hopefully it's gonna be like a character study centered around Batista. Maybe it's gonna be kind of like secret windowy where he wears like a big fedora, is a writer, stares out the window a lot, is j- usually trying? jacked, just like bench presses before sitting down to do his writing for the day. I don't know. Who knows what direction <laughs> Shamalan's going to go? Are you turning Batista into Johnny Depp? Because I am. <laughs> that would be That's a, what I did. quite a transition there. 
Batista, Batista could pull off a big fedora like Johnny Depp did. He could. That's very interesting. <laughs> I'm trying to think, like, because nobody would make fun of him for it because he'd kick the shit out of him. Yeah. So just strength that. I'm just reading all the shit that he's that Batista is going to be in, um, or and that he's been in. Of course, like he was in Army of the Dead, Blade Runner 2049, uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, and then the rest of the Marvel movies. Dune. Um, he's working on Guardians three right now. Uh, up and in up the upcoming Thor: Love and Thunder, and then he's mm. going to be in Knives Out two, and has that buddy buddy cop buddy cop movie with Jason Momoa uh, that they're they just were pitching around that MGM picked up. So Tango and Cash remake, I believe. Which <laughs> <laughs> like that's just like just call it a buddy cop. <laughs> just call it a buddy cop. Random um, thought: Can they bring back the the other guys? Can they make an other guys too? That's the buddy cop movie we need. Someone oh, just God, posted that yesterday, didn't they? Well, didn't I see that with on Russell Crowe and and um, Ryan Gosling? Fucking love that movie. I need to bring that oh, back. Oh, that's such one. a yeah. That's the only buddy cop movie I want to see. Is a, is a follow up to that one. I don't think I loved it. Oh, um, go, go rewatch it, Joe. You know what the thing is with old though, Mark? When you like whoever has to watch that, Smithers is terrible. Gonna, Smithers is going to like that movie. You think so? It's Smithers. He's gonna like, like he always. He and I are on opposite ends of the spectrum with all that stuff. He's gonna like that movie, and it's gonna be very interesting. I can't there's, wait to see. There's gonna be one deciding factor. Smithers always points out Alex Wolf's mole that he has. Oh, if, God if, help you! If, <laughs> if the kid does not have, I'm not saying as big of a mole as Alex Wolf has, but if he doesn't have a mole on his face, he's gonna call that out, and he'll be taken out of the movie instantly. I think the mole has lines in this movie. If I'm mistaken, oh, <laughs> it's really. like, "Oh my god, into the picture!" <laughs> my god! Uh, for those that are paying attention here, there's the some water's really drying out. <laughs> <laughs> my grandma's dead. <laughs> wow! Wow! All right, let's move on to rants and raves because this away. is getting out of hand. I'm sorry, Alex Wolf. I, I'm not one to just call <laughs> Hey, it's a distinguishing figure. Of... It's great. It's a... yeah. <laughs> I always think moly, moly, moly from Austin Powers. <laughs> He's laughing to the bank right now. He doesn't give yeah, a shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the trademark right there. He's loving that. Yeah. Yep. Let's dive into rants and raves. Mark, I'm making you go first on this one because you got yours listed. <laughs> oh, God. All right. My rant is, do we really need to continue with all these movies that are sad, that are centered around dogs? This new movie called Dog with Channing Tatum is it, it's going to end up just being a hor- it's going to be a horrible ending where something tragic happens. And I mean, it's Channing Tatum. Every love story he's in always ends tragically. If it's a serious movie he's in. I mean, there was The Vow where I think Rachel McAdams had amnesia after she got in a car accident. Forgot about his ass. I'm done with you. Game over. End of that movie. And then there was that movie where he like, I think it was Dear John, went to Iraq, came back, and she didn't love him anymore or something. Oh, my God. My point is, don't make a movie with Channing Tatum and have a dog in it as his as his uh, sidekick because we know how it's going to end. And I'm just overall sick of watching dog movies where I know it's going to – I don't want to – I'm not going to say the word, but it's not going to end the way I want it to. Marley and me, my dog Skip, they all do the same shit. And I can't, I, I, when, when I come out of those movies, yeah, they're very heartfelt. But at the same time, I don't need that. I don't need to watch that. It's just too much for me. I feel as if there has been a shift, though, of these movies recently where at this time, when it's just a person and a dog, the person dies. 
I have, we can we should may, maybe make a little gentleman's bet. I feel like it's going to be the other <laughs> way around. Oh, me too. But <laughs> <laughs> You're like, no, the dog's going to die for sure. <laughs> oh God, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, what was the one? The one where he has the robot and the dog and Tom Hanks, and I've uh, oh, made the impression that. that one of them was going to die, and one of them does die, <laughs> and the other two don't. So is this you know, sad? I don't even remember that movie. Like I know I watched it and I know I hated it. I don't remember a thing about no, it. Oh yeah, it was not sad. Like and this is like okay, let once again, 30 seconds, everybody. They kill Tom Hanks. I mean, <laughs> like it's just like I mean, if you can't make me feel sad if that happens, ugh, done. <laughs> but but even even if they ended it that way, wasn't weren't they on like a dystopian planet? Yeah, there was I mean, nobody what's, no, what's, no other. How much longer around. do you think that dog lived by himself on this planet? The dog was wow. able to live because the robot was able to take care of it. Oh, the robot. Okay, the robot. But the robot was pretty damn inept until they tried to figure out what was going on. Or the robot was Caleb Landry Jones, which gotcha. very quickly turned into just Caleb Landry Jones' voice. <laughs> I haven't seen the movie, but I will if you answer this with a yes. Did the Go. robot kill Tom Hanks? The robot didn't kill Tom Hanks. Damn it. The son it. did. That's, that's the twist I was the looking for. God damn it. <laughs> the son got him. <laughs> It is the son in the robot costume like Awesome in South Park, like Cartman. <laughs> oh, awesome. No, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. I am Awesome <laughs> Um, All right. I'm going to do – I put Rave Rave, but I meant to put Rant Rave on the outline. I'm just realizing. Um, my, my rant here is going to be kind of simple, kind of stupid. I think I ranted about this a few times. Um, but it's declaring movies major hits and blockbusters before they even come out. And it's really frustrating me with what's going on with Spider-Man No Way Home. Because, of course, yeah, there's a lot that people are excited about in this movie, and it could be really great. It also could be a massive problematic movie because they're trying to do so much. Don't think it's going to be. I'm very excited for it and hope that it works out for the best. But there's already people that are putting it on their list of the best Spider-Man movies. So, like, what's your favorite Spider-Man movie? And people have that at number one. And that is stupid as fuck because the movie has not come out yet. You haven't seen it. There's people that are ranking their favorite DC movies and they're putting the Batman in the top three already that hasn't come out yet and doesn't come out till next year. That is stupid. Uh, And I just, I don't understand it. I think that there's some people out there that have like YouTubes and stuff that are probably going to have to find a new gig after Spider-Man comes out because they're going to have a few years of no content because all they've been talking about is every little thing. Like, you know, Tom Holland left the press junket to go take a shit. What does it mean? Like that type of thing. And it's out of control how crazy people are getting about this movie. Hey, I'm Joe, excited for it. Though. Joe, I'm looking at a tweet, though, that you sent out in uh, January of 2019 listing the Snyder Cut bullshit. as your number one DC movie before it even released. bullshit. How can you? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> number Dude. one. You're do- Good work I wouldn't you be surprised though. Back. Sean was like, he did, didn't he? <laughs> you you did it. You like you, you were doing a bit, and I was like, only like sixty percent sure you were doing a bit. <laughs> I knew back then what was going on. <laughs> Hey, I said it before that came out too. I was like, I hope this is good. I'm very nervous about it after all this buildup because, I mean, yeah, and Sean, you've said it with Spider-Man: No Way Home. The last time that they did something like this with a bunch of villains in a Spider-Man movie, it was Spider-Man Three, and that's not necessarily the most uh, beloved movie. I mean, honestly, it's it's it, this is really sad. I'm seeing it next week, and you know, I'm seeing it with a buddy of mine. But I do think right now, I feel like Spider-Man: No Way Home is gonna be bad because i don't think it could sustain itself i'm going in clean all right i'm going in with an open mind 
And if I like, I, I want to like it and I'm going to want to like it. And my, my goal is to like it. That's my goal. But I am very, very nervous about this being something that can't sustain itself, especially like everybody's high expectations for it. And this is actually going to be my rant and rave or my rate rant in a second <laughs> where it's like, you know, everyone has those high expectations. Those are going to get broken and those are going to get broken fast because they cannot be sustained. Sean, can you say a few things for me real quick? One, say the word don't. Don't. And then say the word hate. Hate. Okay, because I'm going to cut together a video where you're talking about how you think this movie is going to be terrible. You don't want to see it and you hate it already. Uh, And that's going to be our promo for this week. (laughs) You know what? I'm okay with that because then that's going to take a very long time. And I think Mark was moving that whole time. So (laughs) it will look weird. (laughs) It'll be all audio. From now on, when I talk, just keep doing this. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Hit hit us with it. So, yeah, my uh, my issue is a little bit more specific. And I have two specific specific examples about this. And it's um, people that are hating on the uh, end, like the. recent seasons of shows that have been going on for a while. And my two examples are succession and then Ted Lasso. Cause everyone was saying Ted Lasso season two is terrible. Everyone, or everyone, not everyone. There was a large uh, community that was saying Ted Lasso season two is terrible. Large community that is saying season three of succession is terrible. Now people are entitled to their opinions. Of course, that's like perfectly fine. But I know the problem with Ted Lasso was that we all kind of watched it on our own and now we're all watching it together and we expected the absolute world from it. So our expectations were very high. Now, I still think that show met my expectations at the very least. Did it have a couple of hiccups through its way? Of course, okay? But I think people saw something a lot more. They wanted it to be exactly like the first season. They wanted everything to be the same way. And for some reason, this one dealt with a few more serious issues, but still did pack in the comedy in those episodes. And so I think that there was like a little bit like trickier maneuvers and people had some issues with that. But at the same time, people all of a sudden said like this whole thing where it doesn't live up to season one and they're comparing it to season one. And I'd say continue to enjoy a season two. And that's tricky with a show. All right. With movies, you know, you it's tougher to compare movies and stuff like that. But with a show, you're literally comparing it as it goes. And that can happen a lot of times. I mean, to various seasons of The Wire in the same regard. Um, the other one is Succession, which I really do have a problem with because I get it. Season one, like really awesome, like introduction set up. Very cool stuff. Very great uh, epic ending. Season two, the same thing. Amazing epic ending, but really showing off the characters and what they could do. Season three did a lot more with their plot. And so people got a little bit freaked out. People are saying, what is this one even about? I don't even understand what's going on here. And it's like, well, I've never understand what's going on in succession. It's like billions when they're like, we're going to trade a Applebee's uh, busily boo. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. Like, just, like, you know what? This is the same thing with succession. You sort of like dive into what these characters are trying to do. The arguments you're there. And just like with, with the tennis and King Richard, you look for who's cheering. You look for who, like what emotions are being matched. Now, I got off topic a little bit, but it's just the constant thing you see is through uh, the horse that is it's a meme of a horse being drawn perfectly in the beginning. And that's season one, season two. And then the horse is drawn terrible towards the end. And that's season three, season four and things like that. And that was used. I saw that used in both Ted Lasso. 
and both uh, Succession and even Game of Thrones. And they did that honestly, Thrones, yeah. <laughs> like it was the big one. I think it started with the Game of Thrones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's um, it's a big one with um, like Game of Thrones, I think, because that's one where I do actually have issues with like the seven. Yeah, and eight, I would have like, drawn I, I would have drawn a perfect looking horse up until like its last hoof. And then, yeah, <laughs> because I think that series was perfect throughout up until yes, the last season sucked in my opinion. Yeah, um, I was with, like, where are you going with this horse thing? Yeah, yeah. this is <laughs> well, a, gotta, it's, it's tough, and I'm doing this. Yeah, it's got to yeah. be more of a visual medium, but like it's one yeah, thing. I follow you, Sean, and the this this season of Succession. I absolutely agree about the plot. They need to bring in more. They need to bring in different characters. They need to raise the stakes a little bit. You you can't just have Logan Roy and um and Kendall Roy just going at it the whole time i mean it's it's not gonna work you do that for you know half a season or whatever but eventually you need to bring in other players and that's what they're trying to do they're trying to move this plot along so while we might not get those those that great chemistry those great moments we have seen between specifically my favorite is tom and why am i blanking on his name tom and uh greg greg yeah but we're still getting those but at the same time I agree. You got to move the plot along somehow. You got to bring in outside forces, and I think that's what they're doing in season three. And I, by no means, think it's um, think it's bad. I think you mm-hmm. need to watch it if you like Succession. Yeah, you're not going to love every piece of a, a series. Like yeah. that's where I think people get stuck. Um, they're like, oh well, that was the worst episode. Why did they do it? Because they're not going to be perfection all the way through. Like it's mm-hmm. it trust me a little bit insane. Now, well, some series need to know when to hang it up. And that's true. I don't know. I don't know the succession is one of them, but there's a number of series out there that you're like, are you still going? You still kicking here? Like you don't succession have any has like a, left. Yeah. Succession has like they, the creators have right now a five season plan. And they said, we're, we're axing yeah. it at five seasons. And let's see oh. what HBO says about that. <laughs> like, they'll say, mm-hmm. no, sir. <laughs> like 10 yeah, seasons. Six, six, seven. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Crazy, yeah. crazy, crazy. All right. Well, there's a lot of stuff to watch this week. New releases. Running down the list real quick, Being the Ricardos hits theaters, National Champions hits theaters, West Side Story hits theaters, Agnes hits limited theaters, Back to the Outback hits Netflix, Don't Look Up hits limited theaters, Encounters on Prime Video, Red Rocket and limited theaters, and The Unforgivable on Netflix. So there's a lot of shit coming out to watch. Um, what movie are you guys covering next week, Mark? Do you know? Uh, oh, I actually think, um, so Smithers, I have to go back. The, the draft losers will not watch old. Smithers already lost a bet, and he has to watch old no matter what. So we're doing a different movie for that. Oh. But Smithers is – we didn't have a movie to watch this week unless you have a recommendation. So we were going to make Smithers watch old and then give us a review on the episode. That's my recommendation. I think that would yeah. be great. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to stick oh. with that. Mark, where can people find you? Yeah, just find us on social media at the Chumpcast. Um, obviously, we do a podcast weekly, usually release it Mondays. Um, and that hits everywhere you can listen to a podcast, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Um, what else am I missing? Only Google fans. Play. Every, everywhere we're there. Uh, we are now on almost 275 episodes, and we've been going strong every single week for the most part. We did actually skip a week, like two weeks ago. Um, but I, I noticed. <laughs> yeah, we do. We have a weekly podcast. Check us out. A um, little bit more laid back. Still have some structure. Do things weekly, like our drafts. We review movies at the end of each episode, but it's always a fun time. Um, yeah, and subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. We record our episodes live during the weekend, where you can watch us on YouTube and Twitch. 
Sean, they posted something about only chumps yesterday or the day before. I was like, I hate you so much. <laughs> I know people saw that and were like, oh, my God, are they really doing this shit right now? I didn't read my caption. <laughs> and then when I saw the merch, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I like that a lot. That, not humble brag, but that merch has done better than any T-shirt design I put out in like three days. Like, I don't know what it is. If you ever need, if you ever want to just find, you know, a design that's going to work with people, it's always like the the uh it's always like a spin-off of a logo. His the one that reminds people like where that. they get the porn. <laughs> yeah, I got exactly. It. <laughs> yeah. We should do only guys. That would be a good mm-hmm. thing for him. Oh, oh no, that wouldn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would called grinder. Um, all right. <laughs> uh, Mark, thanks so much for being here. We're happy that a final yay on and we will chat with you in the future. Peace. As always, thanks for listening. You can follow both Joe and Sean on Instagram at Guy at the Movies and Math Teacher Movies. New episodes of the Guy at the Movies podcast with Joe and Sean are available every Wednesday morning, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be on the lookout for special spoiler pods, where we dive deep into the latest film releases. If you like what you hear, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. See you next time.